If you will, find uh, Matthew 13, 44. We're in our series called Thy Kingdom Come, uh, which is why we're doing the Lord's Prayer before I preach. Uh, this is a new song that we've been singing and I, I've, I've found out that it's being played on radio. So I've, I've been enjoying hearing that as well. I didn't know when we were going through Lent and we've talked about fasting, that I was gonna have to fast from electricity for four days or a hot shower or warm weather, right? So this week we're hopefully, spring is going to be upon us in a consistent way and it looks like it is. We thank you for being with us today. This is what I'm gonna be using today uh, as we handle the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, and the word joy is very important today, then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and he buys that field. Jesus in the gospels, the writers have put together parables, which are actually stories that illustrate what Jesus is trying to teach. So in this little segment of Matthew, where we are, Matthew 13, you can go a few chapters before it and then after it, and you're gonna find him teaching parables about the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is sowing seed, or the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, or the kingdom of heaven is like yeast and flour. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's searching for that valuable pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. The kingdom of heaven is like a, 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 a landowner and a businessman who's changing out the old with the new. So you're gonna see all kinds of things that are like, the kingdom of heaven is like this. When he came to the man sowing seed, the, 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 the writers really believe uh, and, give, and, and, and give a picture that Jesus may have literally been seeing a man sow the seed on the hillside and then he began using that as a, as a teaching truth. So today we're looking at this parable, the parable of the hidden treasure. And it seems really simple, and it really is. There's not a lot there, but there is a lot there for me and you to be able to see. This treasure that he finds is incredibly valuable. Uh, it becomes priceless. The worth of it is through the roof. And if you walk through the passage, it says that uh, it's, it's buried in the field and said that a man found, found it we don't know how he found it. Speculation is he could have been working the field, plowing it, doing whatever, but we don't know how he found it, but he found it. And he realized its worth and then he reburied it. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has to buy this field. Let me tell you what this parable is not about. It's not about buying your salvation. And it's not about earthly treasure. The parable is not about either of these two. So what is it about? Well, I, I found a quote by John Piper. It fits perfectly. Uh, it's from desiringgod.org. If you want to look at that website, it's a good website. And uh, he, he says this, we learn one main thing. The kingdom of God is so valuable that losing everything on earth, but getting the kingdom is a happy trade-off. Having the omnipotent, the all-powerful, saving reign of Christ in our lives is so valuable that if we lose everything in order to have it, it is a joyful sacrifice. Let me remind you from past sermons about the kingdom. It's God's rule in my heart. It's not geographical, 
The, the, does it have a place? It does. And the place is my heart. The kingdom is a new way of life. It's a new set of principles to live by. These principles are from God. They come from heaven. And it's heaven's way of doing life, living, relationships, doing business, ordering your priorities. And we say in the Lord's Prayer before we do this series, thy kingdom come, before I preach, Lord, we say in his, his prayer, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wanna remind you of what we need to be thankful for. Colossians 1.13, I love this verse. It says, he has rescued us from a domain of darkness. I've used it for the last, last few Sundays. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. You cannot make that switch on your own. Do you understand me? You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you can't do it. You can readjust your life. You can get a new haircut, wear a new set of clothes, move to a new city, start a new job, do all those things. It will not transfer you from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves. There's only one way that transfer happens and that is through the person of Christ. He rescues us. And remember, the kingdom of God is this very simply in my heart. I am no longer king. The world is no longer king. He is king. He is king of me. And I, I let him lead and guide. What an awesome thought to think that the God who put all this together is a God that you can have a relationship with. A God that can rule you, guide you, love you, and all that's involved in that. He's leading and guiding and fulfilling everything. It's, if you have time to sit and think about it and ponder, you'll realize what the God of this world has actually done for you. So in my office, putting this together, I came up with my own list of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, I, and I, I begin with this. The kingdom of heaven is like the SEC. It just means more. You like that? It gets worse. Hang on. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like American Express. You want to finish it for me? You don't want to? I don't blame you. You can't, you don't leave home without it. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like the Energizer bunny. Nothing outlasts the Energizer. It keeps going and going and going. You see, the kingdom of God opens up everything for you. You have to understand you're limited without God in his kingdom. We'll, the enemy will get us to thinking that we're limited in his kingdom. You're limited in the world. When, when the kingdom of God comes to rule in your heart and you surrender to it, it opens everything for you. It opens every possibility that you can imagine. It opens all the promises of our God. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is, you'll hear me say this today. You may even halfway agree with it, but deep down inside, the problem is, you don't want the kingdom, you want the world. That's the problem. That's the problem. I, as a pastor, I try to simplify things for you. I want to teach you how to live with Christ. I just don't want you to have knowledge and theology and, and, and just have it in your head. I want you to know how to live. 
how, how does this happen? How does this, how does this go about? What do we do? And the, the world is enticing to us. It's incredibly enticing to us. And we see that he's offering the kingdom, but deep down inside, we want the world. We'll chase it. We'll chase it. We think that it has everything to offer us, that it's limitless. And the truth is, it's limited. I want to teach you some things about the world for just a moment. And as a believer, I think you need to have this as a strong foundation in your faith. I want you to look at Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Now, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to deal with this uh, in, in a deep way. You're going, to, you're going to start processing it. You won't process it all during this time. You're going to have to dwell with it later. But let me begin, let me begin you and challenge you in this process. We know that Jesus went to the wilderness to be, and he was fasting. I want to remind you that the Spirit led him there. Satan didn't lead him to the wilderness. The spirit did. And uh, he's there for 40 days and he's fasting, which resembles the 40 days that we have of Lent. We're, we're trying to mimic and, and parallel ourselves with his time in the wilderness. And we're asking you to fast from something during this time. So when he gets done, he's hungry. A, a lot of doctors will tell you that after a 40-day fast that he went on, the, the major organs will start eating the lesser organs that you don't need. The organs that you do need will start eating the organs that you don't need so that they will survive. And they're, they're saying they believe Jesus was at this point after a 40-day fast. He's hungry. You're going, well, he's God. He's not hungry. He's hungry. And so one of the first things Satan does is, will you tell that stone to be made bread, which I believe he could do? He said, no, he answered it with scripture. He refused it with scripture. Then we talk about, let's go to the pinnacle up high. I know that, I know that the father has great plans for you and throw yourself off and the angels are gonna come catch you before you hit the ground. And he, he refuses that and he, he, he does a rebuttal with that with scripture. And then we get to this part. And the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Do you see that? And their splendor, it looked enticing. And their splendor. And he said this, this is, this is Satan. I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. Hang on, this is where you're gonna have to process this. Go back to that verse. He said, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Why did he say that? Because it's his to give. Jesus teaches that the ruler of this world is Satan. Okay? That's why we say in the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You may have learned it evil, but actually it is evil one. Because we're behind enemy lines. Do you understand that? Yeah. <clears throat> we're literally special ops placed behind enemy lines. He said, I'll give you all these things, this world in its splendor, if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus told him, go away, Satan, uh, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, we know, for a season, but immediately the angels came and began to nourish him. 
and they began to serve him and to be able to minister to him. You need to see that the ruler of this world is Satan. That's, that needs to be a foundational part of your belief system, of your theology. He offers the world because he can, and he'll do it to you too. If he did it to Jesus, he's certainly not afraid to offer it to you. And here we have the problem. The problem is he's offering us the kingdom and the limit, it's limitless. And yet we choose, we, the problem is we wanna choose a limited world. Look at 1 John 5, 19. I use this a lot as your preacher. I hope you're going, man, he uses that a lot. I hope you, hope you see this. This is John writing. We know that we are of God and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Why is the world so confused? We, we can go from sexuality to finances and there's major confusion in this world. You can pick a topic and there's major confusion in this world. Why? Because the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. You've got to get that foundationally in your life. Let's go a step further. James chapter four, verse four. He says, we, we commit adultery because we say we love God, but really we love the world. Look what it says. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever who wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Because everything that belongs to the world, there are three things there. There's the lust of the flesh. I don't think I have to explain that one, do I? Okay, good, I'll go on. Thanks that I don't have to explain that. There's the lust of the eyes. I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. Right? And then there is the pride in one's lifestyle. All these three things are not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. Do you see that? That's very important. When I say the world is limited, this is what I mean. It's passing away. But the one who does God's will remains, remains forever. The, he's offering us the kingdom and how limitless it is, but you and I are desiring a world that is limited. It's passing away. This world has a death sentence on it. That's the reason I use the Energizer Bunny out of all three of those, the SEC and American Express and the Energizer Bunny. I use that one and I laughed because I knew you thought that was corny and he's just being old 62 year old corny Jeff, which is fine with me. I happen to like 62 year old corny Jeff. I had a big time in my office by myself, whether you liked it or not. And the reason I picked the Energizer Bunny is the kingdom of God is like him is because you can't stop it. It goes on and on and on and on. What the world wants to give you is only gonna last for a little while. But the kingdom is going to go on into everlasting life, into eternity. Listen, when my Tom died, our Tom died, his body is the only thing that knew death. Our Tom never knew death. You know why? Because God has given him life. The only thing that knew death was Tom's body. 
When Meemaw died at 4.30 in the morning, the only part of death that, her, that she knew was her body knew death. Meemaw didn't know death. Hang on. I don't get eternal life when I die. Are you listening? I get eternal life when I first believe. It is a gift of mine. I have it right now. I don't get it later. It is mine now. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. So eternal life doesn't belong to me when I take my last breath. I have it now. So I think the kingdom of heaven is like the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going and going and going. His promises never end. They never end. They continue on and continue on and continue on. Mark chapter eight, verse 36. You've seen this before. But what does it profit a person, a man or a woman to gain the whole world? but lose their life or to lose their soul. Um, some of you, you think you're good at figuring out a good deal, but if you're here today and you're thinking the good deal is to go with the world, you don't figure things out very well. It's, it's got an end to it. I've given this challenge since I first began preaching 37 years ago. I said, the challenge is try to see if Jesus and the world ever match. See if they ever agree. And I know it becomes rhetorical. You're probably saying, well, you're saying that because they don't. I'd just really like for you to do the challenge anyway. See if Jesus and the world ever match. I've been giving you scripture to show you that they do not. You don't have to lose your soul. You see, the world has given us a false metric. And the metric that it has given us is I need to, I need to figure out your success by your, your monetary value, what you live in, where you live, what you drive, all those things. I'm, I'm to look at success and how independent you are. And that's not what the kingdom does. No, nothing has more value than your soul to God. Nothing, nothing. Amen. You are valuable to him. We'll see that in just a moment. But our problem is, I'd, I would rather profit the world that ha and then instead of the kingdom. The, in the kingdom, all of my possibilities are incredible for you to be able to part of. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. I'm just telling you about the promise of God. But you don't have to lose your soul. So I wanna tell you some good news. I want you to go back to the original verse we started with, Matthew 13, 44. And I want to tell you good news. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in the field. The man found it, reburied it. And then in his joy, joy, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys the field. He does it with joy. He's excited because he knows what he's about to get is far more valuable than he's going to give up. You remember the, the story of the rich young ruler and Jesus? And the rich young ruler had crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's, knew all the rules. And they kept them. And he said, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he walked away. He said, the rich man walked away with sorrow. He was, he, here's what he believed. 
He believed that what he was asking, God was asking him to give up was more valuable than what he was going to get. That's the problem. Here's the truth about the kingdom. Whatever God calls you to is more valuable than what he asks you to leave. Always. What he calls you to is far more valuable than what he asks you to leave. So with joy, why does he do this with joy? Why does he sell everything he has with joy? Because he knows what he's about to receive is more valuable than anything that he has. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, has talking about us with Jesus going to the cross. We keep our eyes on Jesus. That's hard enough, isn't it? And you know why it's difficult? Because the world wants you to be diverted. The, the, world, the world wants you to take a detour. The world wants you to have your eyes off of the Lord. Why? Because we know who's behind. The whole world is under the sway of the evil one, right? This is not, this is not rocket science. I, I say this about basketball coaches and football coaches, and I'm not putting you down. They make all kinds of money, but football and basketball is not that hard. Right? I mean, seriously. It's not that difficult. And it's not that difficult for me and you to be able to think through this process right here. When it, when it comes to keeping our eyes on Christ, very simple. I want you to know the world wants to pull you away from that. I, I, as a pastor, I keep things really simple. I believe the thoughts in your mind are one of two categories. It's either God's truth or it's the lies of the enemy. I believe you drink from the cup of the Lord or you drink from the cup of demons. I think you're for him or you're against him. And being neutral is against him. Do you understand? I, I think you're living a worldly life or you're living a kingdom life. I just have to do it very simply. I just take, I just take life and I usually put it in one of two categories. And so we have the Lord offering us the kingdom, but down deep inside, our problem is we want the world. And here, keeping our eyes on Jesus is hard enough, but the world wants to take your eyes off of it. You gotta know there's a strategy there. Jesus is the source and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, very same word, very same word that's talking about the man in the hidden treasure. With joy, he sold everything he had, why? because he knew, he knew there was something much more that he was getting. How, how did the Lord with joy endure the cross, the mutilation of his body, everything, the humiliation, even the shame that is there? That how could he do that with joy? Because of what he knew it was going to do for us. Listen. Don't ever say in my presence that God has never done anything for you. I, I'm, I'm a passive guy. I'm a, I'm a gentle being, you know. I really am. But don't ever say to me, he's never done anything for you. He's done everything for you. He has given you a way of escape. He's given you a ladder out of the pit or a rope. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's done it all. He's, he, he's got a plan to rescue you, but the problem is he's wanting you to have the kingdom and the problem is you would rather have the world. And then you'll go and say, well, God's not done anything for me. God's done everything for you. You, you can profit the world, but is it worth losing your soul? And you don't have to lose your soul. 
So for, when I say everything, it's on past this world. I mean, this is the prequel. This is not the life. This is the prequel. The life he promises, Energizer Bunny again. It just keeps on going and going and going. I know you've got him with the drum and everything. I do too in my head. It's playing in my head too. It just keeps on going. So with joy, he endured the cross that lay before him and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of God's throne. How could he go to the cross with joy? Because he knew what it was going to open up for all of us. John 16, 33, this is good news. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. We're gonna suffer. If you live this life, it's gonna happen. You will suffer in this world, but be courageous, cheer up. You say that next line. I have conquered the world. I have overcome the world and I've conquered it. I want you to look at John 3, 16 through 18. We're gonna go through this together. You know this one. You're going, hey preacher, you said Jesus and the world doesn't match. They don't. But it doesn't mean he doesn't love it. He loves this world. And the reason he loves this world is because you're in it. I was taught as a little boy that I could take my name and, in, in, and replace the word world and put my name in there. And for God so loved Jeff. For God so loved you. Even though this world's not a match to the way he thinks in his kingdom, he loves it. And he loves this world because you're in it. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. How do we get out of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves? Only through Christ. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world that he may condemn or judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, anyone who believes in him is not condemned or judged, okay? If you, if you believe in the Lord, you're not condemned or judged. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned or judged. Listen, if you're an unbeliever here today, your, your, your condemnation is not going to happen in the future. It's already happened. You're already condemned. It's not gonna happen in the future. It's already taken place because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. Don't say that he's not done anything for you. He has made a way of rescue and escape for every single one of us. He gives us the kingdom but the problem is you and I want to choose the world. For those of us who know the Lord, let's rejoice in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses three through nine. We're gonna read it together as rejoicing, okay? Simon Peter writes this. Blessed is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, amen, right? Man, he, he, he's holding off what I deserve to happen to me. He's holding it back. He's given us a new birth. Remember the other Sunday? You can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Simon Peter matches that right here. He has given us a new birth. I'm not gonna be a better person, better husband, better father, better pastor. I'm going to be new. 
It's not about being better, it's about being new. Look at that, a new birth. Didn't say better birth, said a new birth. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is alive because Christ is alive. Here's the Energizer Bunny again. It just keeps on going. You don't like it, do you? <laughs> See how it keeps on going? It goes into eternity. There's an inheritance waiting for you that is imperishable, uncorrupted, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You, you are being protected by God's power through faith through faith for a salvation that is ready to be matured and revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, he says. Rejoice in this. Though now for a short time, you're going, you've had to struggle in various trials. We all do. All of us do. So that the genuineness of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, rich young ruler. Right? The genuineness of your faith is more valuable than gold. Tell me what the world does with gold. How high do we hold that as a level, right? More valuable than gold, which perishes, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse eight, you love him, though you have not seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because you are receiving the goal of your, your faith, the salvation for your souls. I believe. I'll tell the world to take a hike and I'll embrace his kingdom any day. It's a good deal. It's the best deal. I'll do that any day. The kingdom of God in my heart, I'm no longer king. The world is no longer king. He is king. He's king of me. He's king of kings. And he is king of all. We've been singing about that today. He's king of everything. I pray today you can say in your heart, even during this invitation, that you are my king. And I give you all of me, everything. That's what I, I was laughing at Tyra. It's yours, it's yours, all yours. I, I felt like a white man that could dance, you know what I'm saying? It's all yours, it's all yours. My home, my kids, my bank account, my life, our marriage. It's all yours, it's yours. It's all yours, everything's yours. Everything, all belongs to him. He is king over me. He is king over us. He is king of kings. He's king of it all. He's the preeminence of God. He's first in our lives. He is king. I pray you can say that today. Let's pray. Father, I pray over our people. Give them the courage, Lord, bold courage to make the decisions. Today, in the declaration that you are king. Lord, forgive us where we've always thought the world is at a better deal. Just forgive us. You know we are prompted and enticed and tempted by this old world. And Lord, we declare in your prayer 
Lord, just keep us from the evil one. Keep us from the evil one. You are the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And we declare that today. We give you all of us today. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. We pray together. Amen. The invitation is whosoever will, for whatever reason you come. Our counselors will be here to receive you, to bless you, to pray over you. The team's gonna lead us and you respond, you come. Church, would you stand? Counselors, find your place. You come.